This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. I was scrolling back at my previous classes because we always want to tie Parashat Vayeshev and Hanukkah together. Usually it falls out Vayeshev Miketz, right? This year it fell out on Vayeshev. Usually it's Miketz, Vayigash, pushing it. This year it fell out on Vayeshev. So you always want to try to tie in Hanukkah and Vayeshev together. So I saw in 2018... In one of the classes we tied it in, it was in this shul. However, it wasn't recorded on Torah anytime or all the platforms. So I said to myself, yes, I could prepare for a new class. But why not? We have the old class. Let me just take the old class, sprinkle it up with some new mefarshim, new insights. And this way it could be on Torah anytime, on JRoot, on Facebook, on YouTube, on all the platforms. And why not? I, I thought it was a good class. And uh, hopefully you'll tell me your comments after the, after the class. Hadashim Kamishinim, exactly. New and old, beautiful. We revived the old, like they say, like Casey Kasem used to say, it's an oldie but a goodie. You know Casey Kasem? Fine. So the class is based on the Sefer Shemen Rosh. And the, se- the Sefer Shemen Rosh is trying to uh, correlate between the story of Reuben and Yosef and Hanukkah. So what happens with Yosef? Yosef has a dream, a boy of 17 years old has a dream, his brothers get jealous of him, and they say, you think you're going to rule over us, you think you're going to take over, we can't handle it anymore. What happens? Yaakov Abinu sends Yosef to his brothers to see their, to see how they're doing with, uh, with their sheep and everything, they need any help. They see him from afar, and they have this whole plan to kill him. Now, the brothers right away, Shimon Velevi say, let's kill him. We'll throw his body and we'll say that he was devoured by a, a wild animal. Reuben hears the, brother, the brothers talking and says in the Pasuk, Reuben, the Bechor, the older of the old, all the brothers, hears their plan and he says, let's not kill him. What should we do with him? We'll throw him to the board. We'll throw him to the pit over here. Why? Reuben, in the back of his mind, he wanted to secretly come after and save Yosef from the pit and return him to his father. By the way, I saw in a sefer, both the sefer Hibat Yerushalayim and the sefer Ahabat Sion. And they say like this. It was a rabbi, two different rabbis in two different eras. They passed by uh, Syria, they passed by Yarden, they passed by the Middle East, Mesopotamia, that whole area. And they actually found the pit where Yosef was thrown into. Listen to the words. The Sefer Hibat Yerushalayim says, We were passing by a place, and the Yishma'ilim, the Bedouz, Bedouins, the Yishma'ilim, the Arabim, whatever you want to call them, they call it Geshir Yaakov, the bridge of Yaakov. What is this bridge of Yaakov? And they say, Omrim kisham abar Yaakov abinu alav shalom b'shubom miharan. Yaakov passed over this bridge in order to leave Haran, which was in modern day Turkey, to go back to Er Israel. And he says, that's what it says in the Pasuk in last week's parasha, ki b'makli abarti et hayarden hazik. With my staff, as we explained, with my stick, I passed by, I went over this Yarden. And he says, the Sefer Habat Yerushalayim, I actually saw where Yaakov Abinu passed over, and they have a small bridge made with stones, with rocks, and they say, this is the bridge of Yaakov Abinu. That's what they say. And he tells you exactly where it is. Three hours away from the Kinneret. The Sefer Habat Sion says something like this. If you pass from this Gesher Yaakov, from this bridge that Yaakov Abinu passed over, if you pass it, you go west, you go west he says, You'll see a small building. And what's in this small building? He says like this. He says, where is it? Ah, he says, if you go two hours away from this uh, bridge of Yaakov, you'll find the pit of Yosef that his brothers threw him into. The Arabim call him Yosef. 
I don't know what it is. Ju'at Yosef, Ju'at Yosef in Arabic, I don't know what it is. Ve'yesh'alaf kippa gedola and on... Juret Yosef. Juret Yosef. Ah, the pit. Juret. Right, right. Jura, Jura. The pit. Jibbe, Jib, right, right. Bejib. Okay. He says, Ve'yesh'alaf kippa gedola and on top of it you'll see like a small structure, like a dome. Asher na'asa al arba' kesatot ketanot. It's held up by four pillars. Funny that they say that because I actually saw it in Google. This is it. If you see, this is the kippah. This is the structure over the pit. And now this lady is looking inside the pit. This is the pit, Rabbotai. So they say. This is the pit where the brothers of Yosef threw Yosef into. Now, was it, was it not? It's nice. Them. The Arabim. The Shmi'alim. The Bedouins, the Arabs, the Ishmaelim. Okay, fine. Maybe we'll have to research it more, but it's, it's nice. If, if, it's, if it's really it, beautiful. So that's what happens. Reuben says, let's throw him into this pit, into this boar, because Reuben wants to save Yosef from the plan of his brothers. Fine. This is, what, this is the pasuk we have to work with tonight. Now the Sefer Shemir Rosh, he asks five questions. Rabotai, the questions themselves are not so important because the answers will remind us of the questions. So no reason, no, there's no reason to, you know, to, to try to remember the questions. But he says something so beautiful. He says, question number one. Now Reuben wants to save his brother Yosef from the, bro- from the brothers, right? Halo haborek en bomain. Fine, the bore, the pit, was void of water. There was no water inside of it. But it did have scorpions and snakes. So the Uben, you want to throw Yosef into the pit. Now what kind of, what kind of safe is that? What kind of uh, plan is that? You're going to save him from the hands of the brothers, but he's also going to go into the pit and die. He says, It's a surefire death, 100% death. Because it's Gemara Masechet Yebamot, Tav Kof Chaf Alf, 121, that says, If a person, we saw him fall into this pit that had scorpions and snakes, his wife can remarry because for sure he died, for sure he passed away into this boar. Now you're going to tell me, you're going to ask, oh, but Reuben didn't know. How was Reuben supposed to know that there were scorpions and snakes? Well, usually, if there's no water inside of it, something else has to be inside of it. So for sure, the scorpions and snakes. And even if you're going to tell me that the Oban saw that there was no scorpions, as no snakes, what does the Oban say? Throw him in. I mean, we're not taking him and we're bringing him down slowly. We're throwing him into the board. When you throw someone into the board, I don't care how deep it is or how shallow it is. He's going to die. So what kind, of, what kind of plan is that, the Sefer Shemir Rosh asks? That's question number one. Question number two. Gam im samach, 1A actually, not two, 1A. Gam im samach ala nes ki sitkato. Even if Reuben said, Yosef is not hayab mita. Yosef is innocent. Okay, he's a 17-year-old child that dreams. Let him be. Halo yeshua rak You're going to save him from, from the brother's hands Right now. But don't forget to obey. You're going back to serve your father. You know what the brothers are going to do? They're going to go down to the pit, pull him out, and kill him. So fine, you saved him from the hands of the brothers for an hour. Or what not. But the brothers are still going to kill him. The brothers sat down at Bedin. They said, Yosef is moret b'malchut. Yosef is hayab mita. What gain do you have now that you throw him into the board, into the pit for a few hours? Question number two. There's a midrash that says, The pasuk, Mr. Muhadib, you start us off with in the class. This is the pasuk we say in Shira Shirim. Song of songs. The meaning of the pasuk is, 
the jasmine plant gave off its beautiful smell. And by our doorstep, by our doors, by our thresholds, we have all beautiful kinds of gifts. That's the Pasuk by Shira Shirim. The Midrash Pili'ah says, Dudaim nat nureyach, zereuben shehitzil et yosef. When it's talking about the Dudaim, the jasmine plant, it might not be jasmine per se, but we'll use the jasmine as an example. When it says in the Pasuk that the jasmine plant gave off its beautiful smell, it's talking about, it's symbolizing Reuben, how he saved Yosef. And by our threshold, we have beautiful gifts. This is talking about the mitzvah of Hanukkah, which you have to light by the door. What's the, what's the connection? What's the correlation between Reuben and Yosef and Ner Hanukkah? Well, certainly they weren't in the same time. Well, what does Reuben and Yosef have to do with lighting the Hanukkah by the Petah? Question number two. Excuse me. Question number three. There's a Gemara Masechet Shabbat, Tav Kaf Aleph. And for all of you that came a little bit late, where we based our class on the Sefer Shemir Rosh. These are not my words. These are the questions of the Shemir Rosh. If, it's, if it is insights, which I saw, I will tell you it's not from him. But 90% majority of the class is based on the Sefer Shemin Rosh. Question number three asks, there's a Gemara Masechet Shabbat Chaf Aleph. And the Gemara asks, my Hanukkah, what is this whole point of Hanukkah? Why do we have an ha- a holiday called Hanukkah? And the Gemara says that when they went in after the Greeks made all the Shemin Pasul, they went in, they finally found one jug of oil sealed with the seal of the Kohen Gadol. And what happened? It was enough to light only for one day and it lasted for eight day, eight crazy nights. That we know, fine? And his question is, It wasn't the job of the Kohen Gadol to put his stamp, his seal, it's Hotam. Hotam in Hebrew means a seal. It wasn't his job to start going around to all the jugs of oil and to put a seal on it. Why? Because there's a Gemara in Shekalim, Dafyot Gimel, that says, Hayu memunim ala shemin. There were people in charge of putting the seal, doesn't have to be Kohen Gadol, of putting a Kohen seal and saying, This shemin is Tahor. Do not open it. So what does it mean that the Gemara over here, Masechet Shabbat, says that they found a jug of oil sealed with the stamp, with the seal of Kohen Gadol? Question number four. Now the miracle was that they found a jug of oil that it was supposed to last for one day and it lasted for eight days. Rabotai, if Hashem is making a miracle, Hashem just let them find a jug of oil that lasts for eight days. I mean, just the fact that they found a jug of oil in of itself is a huge miracle. They went in, the only thing they found is one jug of oil sealed with the stamp of the Kohen Gadol, and that's a miracle itself. Yes, the fact that it lasted for eight days, that's another miracle. But if Hashem, you're going to make a miracle for them to find the jug of oil in the first place, let them find a jug of oil that from the beginning, like at the Hila, lasts for eight days instead of one, and then lasted for eight days. Question number five, and the last question. It happened to be in the days of Yohanan, Kohen Gadol, and his son, Matitya, and his sons that waged the whole war against the Yevanim. What does it say? Bimeh Matitya ben Yohanan, Kohen Gadol. Now, Matitya was the leader of the Maccabees. Not the group, not the music group, the real Maccabees, Right? Now, he was their leader. He had Yehuda, he had different sons. Matitya was the leader. But why does it say his father's name? Why does it say, Bime Matitya ben Yohanan? Why do I need to know Matitya's father's name? You're going to say, why not? Because if you look by Purim, it only says, Bime Mordechai ve'ester beshushana bira. does not say, Bime Mordechai ben Yair ben Shim'i ben Kish, or it does not say Esther's father and mother name. Over here by Yohanan Kohen Gadol, it says, by the way, the miracle happened with Matitya, right? 
And his father was Yohanan. Why do I need to know Matitya's father's name, Yohanan? These are the questions. Now we start by Azat Hashem going to the answers and we'll see how it ties in with Parashat Vayeshib, the story of Reuben and Yosef, and Hanukkah. There's a Gemara Masechet Sota Daflamet Gimel, 33. The Gemara says, Yohanan Kohen Gadol was performing his Abodah in Yom Kippurim in the Kodesh Kodashim. As we know, the Kohen Gadol is only allowed to be in the Kodesh Kodashim, the Holy of Holies, only one day a year, and that is Yom Kippur. Yohanan Kohen Gadol, which served as the Kohen Gadol, by the way, for 80 years, happened to be on one Kippur, he was in the Kodesh Kodashim, the Holy of Holies. And he heard a voice, a bad call from Shamayim that said, your kids waged war against the Greeks and they will win the war. This is what Yohanan Kohen Gadol is hearing in the Kodesh Kodashim Rabotai. Michael, he's talking to We're not, we're not up to it. We're not up to it. So hold your horses. Before I lose my, uh, before I lose track. Yeah, it has to do with the jug of, of Yaakov Abinu, but we're not up to it yet. So we go back. The Gemara Masechet Sota Daflamet Gimel 33 says, Yohanan Kohen Gadol, which was the high priest in Yom Kippur, one Yom Kippur happened to be one year, that he heard a voice from Shamayim, a bad call that said, your kids waged war against the Greeks, against the Greek generals, against the Greek army, and they won. This is the voice that he heard on Kippur. Rabotai, when did the whole miracle of Hanukkah happen? Was it on Yom Kippur or was it in Kislev? <laughs> Tomorrow night. So, why is Yohanan Kohen Gadol hearing this voice few months early. By the way, it's not necessarily that it's the same year. He just heard this voice that said, your kids waged war against the Greeks and they won. So the Sefer Shemir Ros says something so beautiful. He says the fact that he heard on Yom Kippur that his kids will win the war against the Greeks when did the beginning of the salvation or when did the beginning of the whole miracle happen? On Yom Kippur. Not necessarily on Hanukkah. And Rabotai, that's what it means when it says that they went inside the Beit HaMikdash and they found the jug of oil with the seal of the Kohen Gadol. It does not necessarily mean it was an actual seal. When did the seal, meaning when was it sealed that they were going to win the war in Hanukkah? All the way back by Yom Kippur. Al Yedehu, and who heard this voice? Yohanan Kohen Gadol. That's what it means. They found the jug of oil sealed from the Kohen Gadol, which means the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur already heard the voice that his kids will be victorious on Hanukkah. And this is what I saw. I saw the Bnei Sashar, or Bnei Sachar, brings down from the Rebbe of Kamina. Moshe Rabbeinu pleads with Hashem after Heta Egil. Hashem, please forgive them. If you won't forgive them, erase me from the Torah. When did he plead for Bnei Israel? What day was it? Yom Kippur. Because Hashem tells him, Salahti Kidbarecha. I forgive you and I forgive them. Salahti Kidbarecha, the rabbis say, it was on Yom Kippur. Now listen to the words which we say every Monday and Thursday. And Moshe Rabbeinu actually says this pasuk. Moshe Rabbeinu says, Please forgive this nation because you have an abundant amount of mercy to give us. And Moshe Rabbeinu says this, we don't say on Monday and Thursday. And just like you forgave them and you took them out of Egypt, forgive them and take them out of their misery right now, of their sin right now. Rabotai, the Rabbi of Kamina says, La'am hazeh. Hazeh starts off with the word, with the letter he. Kegodel chaf. Hazdecha het. I need to bring 
a blackboard next time. Vecha'asher vav nasa tanun makes the word Hanukkah. So when Moshe Rabbeinu is already pleading with Hashem on Yom Kippur, Hashem, please forgive Bnei Israel for the sin of the golden calf, and Hashem does forgive him on Yom Kippur, what happens, Rabotai? Moshe Rabbeinu is setting, is paving a way for Bnei Israel to have Hanukkah. Because as we know, the Hasidic masters tell us, if you did not repent your evil ways on Yom Kippur, you still have a three-month extension. You can't get this extension anywhere. This three-month extension until Hanukkah. So Moshe Rabbeinu is already giving us way from Yom Kippur until Hanukkah to make the Shubah. Exactly what happened with Yohanan Kohen Gadol. He's in the Kodesh Kodashim on Yom Kippur. He hears a voice from Shamaim, a bad call telling him, your kids will wage war and will win the war. But they didn't wage war on Yom Kippur. When did they wage the war? On Hanukkah. But they're already telling him from Yom Kippur, that your kids will be victorious. That's what it means. They found a jug of oil sealed with the seal of the Kohen Gadol, which means it was sealed and delivered. And, you know, it was sealed in. They had it in the bag that they will win the, they will win the war. That's why we say, Rabotai, What do we care about Yohanan? What do we care about the father? About the grandfather? He didn't do anything. Yes, he did. He's the whole, he's the whole point. He's very essential in this whole story. Yohanan Kohen Gadol, because he's the one who heard the voice. Because he heard the voice, they were victorious. By Mordechai and Esther, they were actually the ones who brought the salvation, nobody else. Therefore, we don't need to know the father of Mordechai. Meaning, we know the father of Mordechai, but we don't need to mention it three times. On Yom Kippur, on Yom Purim. But Mashi'en Ken Hanukkah, you have to mention it three times every day for eight days. By the way, Yohanan Kohen Gadol. And by the way, Yohanan Kohen Gadol, after 80 years of being the high holy priest, he, he, he became a, a Saduki. He became a Saduki, which means he, he lost the faith. That's a whole different story. The Gemara brings down what, what he saw, Anan, not Anan, Ketoret, whole different, totally different story. But Yohanan Kohen Gadol is very essential in this whole story of Hanukkah. We continue. The Bach, the Bait Hadash, in Siman Taf Resh Ayin, he brings down a Baraita. Amar lahem otorasha, Antiochus, you know Antiochus, he was the king of the Greeks. He told his, his men, he told his soldiers, yesh shel Israel. The Jews have one mitzvah they're grabbing onto. Im atem ota kebar hem avudim. You get rid of this one mitzvah from them, and that's it. You have them. You have them in the palm of your hands. Why? Why? And which, which mitzvah was that? Mitzvah the menorah. Lighting the menorah every single day in the Beit HaMikdash. Hadlakat menorah Why is the hadlakat of menorah? Why is the lighting of the menorah so important? And if you take it away from the Jewish people, the Jewish people have no future. Shekatuba lehaalot ner tamid. We have a ner tamid in every shul. The ner tamid in every shul is corresponding to the light, the eternal light that was never extinguished in the Beit HaMikdash. It always stayed on, which means the Jewish people will stay forever. The Jewish people will stay forever. So Antiochus is telling his men, if you get rid of this menorah, which symbolizes the Jewish people, and you make sure they don't light it, you know what, what you have? That's it. You, you defeated them. That's why it was so important, Rabotai. The first thing they did when they ran to the Beit HaMikdash after the war, the first thing they did, Aiki, was what? They had to light the menorah. Why? To show we're still around. We're still eternal. Nothing will happen to us. Even though they wanted to bring us down. And it wasn't, you know, there's a big difference between Hanukkah and Purim. Purim, they wanted to kill our bodies. Hanukkah, they wanted to kill our ideologies. It was all ruhani. You could do what you want outside, inside your house. Outside of your house, no Torah, no Rosh Chodesh, no Brit Milah, no Shabbat. Be like us. Inside the house, whatever. Nobody's seeing you. Do what you want. But outside of the house, you have to be like us. So it was like we had to intermingle. We had to associate with the Goyim. Mashi'enken Purim, Haman didn't care about our Torah. Haman really wanted to kill us inside. So over here, I mean, kill us Get rid of Am Yisrael. So over here, they ran back to the Bekta Mudash. They lit the menorah to show that we have to light the menorah because that symbolizes Am Yisrael. 
So that's what the Bayt Hadash says. That's what the Bach says. And he continues and he says, when Amis repented after the war, because they knew the reason, the Bayt Hadash even brings it, the reason why the Greeks started the war against the Jewish nation, it was because, not because we weren't learning Torah, no. Not because we weren't keeping the mitzvot, we were. We were lax in the mitzvot. We used to go into the Beit HaMikdash and say, again we have to light the menorah, again we have to bring the ketoret, again we have to bring the korbanot, Again with this and again with that, again. We were doing the mitzvot, but we were lax in the mitzvot. We were lazy in the mitzvot. So when they made teshubah, You know why? The reason why they ran back to light the menorah is to show Hashem, we got the point. We got the message. You started this whole thing against us is because you were showing us that we weren't taking the abodah of the Beit HaMikdash seriously. We weren't loving it. Now we want to show you that we, the only thing we want to do right now is to start the abodah of Beit HaMikdash all over again. That's why the first thing they did was to run and delight them. That's the only thing you have to do. You have no Greeks anymore. Take your time. No problem. So you light it in a few hours. No, we can't. Because the whole reason why we got into this mess in the first place it's because we were lazy. Let's run back, sacrifice our life, which means do everything possible to light the menorah again. And he says, Hoshi'am Hashem kohanim Hashem. And this is a question in and of itself. Who goes to war? The kohanim or the Israelim go to war? The Israelim go to war, Rabotai. The kohan sits in the Beit HaMikdash and does his abodah. What is Matitya? Kohen and his sons, the Kohanim, go and wage war against the Greek army. That's not your position. Leave it up to the Israelim. But Dafka, the Kohanim, sacrificed their life to go against the, against the Greeks into the war. Why? Because we know Hashem brought us the war and brought us the Greeks because we weren't serious and diligent. We weren't diligent into the Abodah. Therefore, we want to go and sacrifice our life for the Abodah and bring back everything from the beginning. Okay, so, and we explained the Kohen Gadol. Now, now we answered a few questions. We answered a few questions. Well, why, what does it mean it was in the seal of the Kohen? Well, it wasn't the seal of Kohen, which means he's, it was sealed because he saw, he saw it was sealed. What was the other question we asked him by myself? I, I, lost, uh, I lost track. Uh, we answered the question, why? Why does it say, Bimei Matityab and Yohanan? What does it have to do with Yohanan Kohen Gadol? We continue the class. The Kohanim Rabotai had a unique power. I'm not so sure that the Shaykh today, that the Kohanim have this power. Maybe. But back then the Kohanim were able to look at something and assess whether it was Tahor or Tameh. Just by their vision. In fact, the Baal Shem Tov one time had a mahlokit between the rabbis in the city of Brad. They were, they were quarreling, they were debating, they had a mahlokit with him whether a behemah was kosher, whether it was shechter kosher or not. And the Baal Shem Tov told them, it's tameh. They said, Rabbi, how do you know? He says, because when I look at it, this is the Baal Shem Tov we're talking about. He says, when I look at a behemah, I can see if it was shechter properly with the correct shechita, there's Ruach Kodesh on it. That's in Sosot HaKidushah. What it means, it's above my head. But if it's not shechted properly, if it was shechted improperly, I see that's, that there's Tum'ah on, on it. And therefore I know that this Behemah is Tame'ah because the Shohet that shechted it, that uh, did Shechita on it, it wasn't kosher. He didn't have the right Mahshabot or he didn't do it the right way. But the Kohanim, back in the Beit HaMikdash, were able to look at something Look at a jug of oil and see, even without a seal, whether it was kosher or it wasn't kosher. Which begs the question, if they were able to see with their eyes, just by their eyes, whether it was kosher or not, why does it have to be sealed? We explained before, it wasn't necessarily sealed with an actual seal on top of it. You know, sometimes when you load a truck, you have to put a seal, you have to put make sure that, the, that it's the same number the driver has in the... When, you, when they deliver it. So it's not necessarily actual seal. That's what we explained. 
But let's say it was an actual seal. What do they need the seal if the Kohanim are able to look at it with their eyes and determine whether it was kosher or not? I'll tell you why. Because the Kohanim are able to assess whether it's kosher or not. But what about everybody around them? They won't believe them. Right? <laughs> I come to you and I tell you, I look at this and I see that it's kosher tea. Fine, you see that it's kosher tea. But how do I believe you? Tell me you have Ruach Kodesh with your, just your vision. Tell me it's kosher tea. It's kosher tea, right, Shabi? Right. But how do I know whether it's kosher or not? The Kohanim know. The Kohanim have this vision. Therefore, Rabotai, Hashem had to make a beautifulness. He had to make a ness that the oil lasted for eight days and they did not find in the beginning a jug of oil that lasted for eight days because Hashem does not make miracles on something tameh. You understand, Rabbotai? Hashem does not make a nisa on sheker. He does not make a miracle on something sheker or something tameh. Therefore, if the Kohanim would have said, this jug of oil is, is kosher, let's use it. Everybody around them would say, what do you mean? You're saying it's kosher. How do we know it's kosher? No, just don't worry about it. Therefore, Hashem had to make it last for eight days. Maybe on the first day we could believe you, it's kosher. But Hashem made it last first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, to prove to everyone that the Kohanim have a special power in their vision that it lasts for eight days, that Hashem does not make a miracle on something tameh. And now we understand why it was sealed with the hotam of the Kohen Gadol. Because if it wasn't sealed, and, the Kohen, and everybody around them is going to say, you're telling us by your vision that it's kosher, but how do we trust you? Therefore, Hashem had to make it with a seal, so nobody asked questions on the Kohanim. And even if you want to ask questions on the Kohanim, the fact that it lasted for eight days as a miracle, and didn't, wasn't from the beginning that it lasted for eight days, that's how they know that the Kohanim have a special vision, and by their vision, they're able to determine whether something is kosher or not. In fact, there's a Gemara in Masechet Abu Dazara. I'll tell you the Gemara from... Gemara Masechet Abu Dazara, Dafiot Het. Rabbi Hanana bin Tiradion, his daughter was punished uh, to be sent to a brothel. Okay, the Gemara explains why. But when she was in the brothel, Rabbi Meir Ba'alanis, his wife, was the daughter of Rabbi Hanan, which means her sister was in the brothel. She goes to Rabbi Meir, her husband, and she says, how do you allow my sister to be in this bed zonot? Go and save her. Take a sack of money, go bribe them, and take my sister out. So Rabbi Meir takes the money and he says, the only way Hashem will save her from the brothel is if she didn't sin. But if she did sin, Hashem will not perform a miracle on a lady that had tum'ah. And in fact, he tested her. He disguised himself and he said, would you like to have a ma'aseh with me? And she told him that she was pure. And we know that uh, he knew that she was, she was a teora and he was able to save her. The whole story over there, that's the Gemara, by the way, Elahad Meir Anenu. That's the whole, it doesn't say Elahad Meir, Elahad Meir. It's not Rabbi Meir Ba'alanes. Elahad Meir, we're talking about Hashem, Hashem that illuminates, Hashem that lights up. So be careful and Habdallah, don't say Elahad Rabbi Meir Anenu. Elahad Meir. It's not Rabbi Meir Ba'alanes, Elahad Meir, Hashem that lights up. But anyway, so from that Gemara, we also see that Hashem does not perform a miracle on something Tameh. Same thing over here. Hashem had to perform a miracle to show them that the Kohanim have a special vision that they're able to determine from their vision whether something is kosher or not kosher. Rabotai, now we try to connect it with Hanukkah. I mean, we were talking about Hanukkah, but we try to connect with the parasha. The mitzvah of Hanukkah is to leave it by the doorstep or leave it by the door or leave it by the window. Why? For everyone to see the nes. Why does everyone have to see the Nes? Because as we were saying up until now, the whole story of Hanukkah happened because the Kohanim had a special vision and from that vision they were able to see whether this jug of oil was kosher or not. Which means Hanukkah is a special holiday and it's all about the vision. It's all about the eyes. About purifying your eyes. Not only purifying your eyes per se and not seeing something unkosher, but 
to be able to see the inside neshama of every single Yehudi and seeing the good inside of every single Yehudi, and we will explain. Reuben. Reuben looks at Yosef. He says, this boy is 17 years old. He's having these dreams. He says he wants to be king. Fine. You know that song from Lion King? What's the song from Lion King? I just, wait, I just can't wait to be king. So Yosef is 17 years old. He just can't wait to be king. Why do you have to kill him? And he's your brother. And not only is he your brother, when he tells you his dreams, he tells it to you in such a beautiful way. He says, I mean, if somebody wants to show off or somebody wants to rule over you, does he tell you, can you please listen to my dream? Of course not. He says, listen to my dream and listen to it now. He says, Can you please listen to the dream that I have? Which means Yosef has no intention of doing anything evil against his brothers. However, they thought he was Mored ban Malchut. We know the whole thing, Mashiach ben Yosef, Mashiach ben David. They thought he was coming to come up, to take over the whole Malchut of Bed David. Yehuda is supposed to be the king. Now Yosef, you're having dreams that we have to bow down to you, which means you're thinking that you're king. Now you're taking over Malchut Bed David. We can't let it happen. Reuben Rabotai, the reason why he says, let's throw him into the pit, into the boat, and not kill him, is because Reuben was able to see, just like the Kohanim, they were able to see whether something was Tameh or Tahor. Reuben was able to see with his eyes that Yosef Sadiq is pure. Yosef Sadiq does not have evil intentions. His plan is not evil. And we'll explain exactly what his plan was according to the Shla Kadosh. And this plan, he had to make it come to fruition in order for Bnei Yisrael to greet Mashiach Sitkein on the final redemption. So the Sefer Shem Rosh says, Yada Reuben she'ehav to'im bo. Reuben knew that his brothers were in the wrong. Ki ra'a begodel kedushato begdushat Yosef HaSadik. Reuben was pure. He saw that Yosef was pure. Ki ruach tehora shora' alav. Reuben smelt the beautiful smells coming out of Yosef HaSadik. And therefore he says, let's not kill him. Ah, however, how is he going to justify to his, justify to his brothers that Yosef is not evil? Therefore he tells him, Throw him into the pit. True, it does not have any water. It has snakes and scorpions. When you see that Yosef, nothing will happen to him. And Hashem will perform a miracle. Even in the pit, in the board, where there's snakes and scorpions, where it's a surefire death, but nothing will happen to him. You will see... That is clear. You'll see that he's innocent. Because what did we say before? Hashem does not perform miracles on something Tameh. Or a person that's Tameh. Over here, if you throw Yosef into the board, and you see that nothing happened to Yosef, you'll see that Yosef is innocent. Rabotai. But the question is, how do we know Reuben's true intention? What if Reuben was also thinking like his brothers, and he really wanted to kill him? That's why if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, when it says that Reuben wanted to save him from his brothers, it wasn't Reuben saying this. Ruach HaKodesh Hashem said, Hashem testified, I know the true intentions of Reuben. Reuben wants to save Yosef from his brothers. Why do I need to know that Hashem testifies? Because how do I really know that Reuben really wants to save Yosef? Maybe Reuben is also in the same plane as Yosef. No, we have to have Hashem over here into the story. Same thing like Hashem making the, performing the miracle in Hanukkah. For the Hanukkah to last eight days to show that Hashem is inside the whole story saying that the Kohanim are able to see with their mere eyes that the shaman is, is pure. Now it makes beautiful sense. Hadudaim nat nurayah. The jasmine gave off the beautiful smell. Who brought jasmine to his mother? Reuben. Reuben brought the jasmine plant to Leah. Rachel sees it, she takes it. But Reuben was the one who brought the 
jasmine plant because Reuben sees the good in every single person. Just like the jasmine has beautiful smell, Reuben sees the beautiful smell in every single person. That's what the Midrash says. This is Reuben that saved Yosef. And by our door, we light the Nerot Hanukkah. Why? It's the same correlation. Just like over here by Reuben, he saw the good in Yosef with his eyes. Over here, the Kohanim saw the good into the, in the oil with their eyes. It's a beautiful connection. And we know, Rabbutai, that Hanukkah comes to atone for the sin of Mechirat Yosef, for the sin of the brother selling Yosef. How? Because it says in the Pasuk, they just saw Yosef, they saw him from afar, and right away they devised the whole plan, they wanted to kill him. You don't even know that he's coming to say hello. Yaakov sends him, go see how your brothers are doing. Go take them some food. So Yosef is coming over here with good intentions. But right away you see him from afar. And what do you say? Hayab mita, let's kill him. Moret b'malchut. Hanukkah comes to atone for the eyes. Because during the year when we see people, and just by looking at them we say, nah, this guy's a bad guy. This guy's up to no good. But you don't even know the guy. You don't even talk to him. Upterim yikrab alehem. He still didn't even come to them, Yosef HaSadiq. That's why Hanukkah, it says, You have to just look at the Nerot Hanukkah, which means just look with your eyes. Purify your eyes, the same eyes that you look to people during the year in a negative light, in a negative vision. Use those Nerot Hanukkah right now to remind you of the same Nerot Hanukkah back in the Beit HaMikdash time, that the Kohanim, because they purified their eyes, because the Kohen is that hesed, the Kohen only saw the good inside of everybody, like Aharon Kohen, Oheb Shalom, Verodev Shalom, Oheb Taberiot Um Karaban Torah. Aharon tried to make peace between everybody, it was all about Shalom. Also you, fix the vision that you have, fix your eyes, don't look at everybody with a negative light, with a dark light, with a bad light. Try to look at the good. Try to see the good inside of everybody. That's the correlation between Hadudain Matnurayah is Reuben and Yosef. And that's the correlation between Hanukkah, that's why we light it by our doors. Rabotai, the Torah Moshe, which the Hatam Sofer says in Parashat Bereshit, by Adam Arishon and Hava, when they ate from the tree of knowledge, it says, But when they ate from the tree of knowledge, it's a da'at, they knew, they saw that they were naked. How do they know they're naked? They weren't naked in the first place to know that they're naked right now. Right? Their eyes, I mean, they had eyes, but they didn't know what this concept of being unclothed was. Being naked. We're all pure. Now all of a sudden, because they ate from the tree of knowledge, all of a sudden they knew they were naked. They knew they had no clothes on. How, how, did, they, how did they know exactly? So the Torah Moshe, the Hatam Sofer says, Amar mori This is what my rabbi taught me. basar shel ha'adam. We have human eyes. We have physical eyes. Hema mahshikhin et ha'adam lehasig or ha'elyon. They don't allow you to see or to tap in into the spiritual eyes. Ubioter shesoger aneha basar the more you close your physical eyes, the more you close your physical eyes, the more you can open your spiritual eyes. Which means, Adam and Haba, when they ate from the tree of knowledge, they tapped into that negative energy. Rabbi when Adam and Haba ate from the tree of knowledge, from the Etzadat, the negative energy that was in that tree came inside of them and they weren't able to plug in to the Aneha Ruhani. They weren't able to plug into the spiritual eye of the world because now they had physical eyes. And when you have physical eyes, you can only see the negative. That's what the Hatam Sofer is saying according to his rabbi. He's saying the more you close your physical eyes, 
the more you can open up your spiritual eyes, which means the more you work on yourself and seeing the good in every single person and not looking at them in a negative light, in a dark light, in a bad light, the more you're able to tap into your spiritual eyes and the more blessings you have in your life. Listen how it works out with Reuben and Yosef. What's the numerical value of Reuben? 259. What is Lea called Reuben? Now Hashem saw my, my pain, my suffering, my anguish, my sorrow. Reuben is from the word Reia. It's all about the eyes. 259. What's the numerical value of Yosef? 156. What does Yosef mean? Rahel calls him Yosef. Yosef Hashem li ben Ahir. Yosef means give me more. If Reuben means eyes. Yosef means give me more or elevating yourself into a higher level. If we take 259 and 156 makes the numerical value 415. What is this 415 number? How do you say somebody that's pure in Hebrew? Kadosh. Kadosh. In fact... Why is the Ora Hayim Kadosh called the Ora Hayim Kadosh? Because he never made a sin with his eyes or his brit milah. He never looked at ladies, he never made an avon with his brit milah. Why is Rabbeinu HaKadosh, Rabbeinu Yehudah Nasi? Why is he called Rabbeinu HaKadosh? Because he never looked at his brit milah, it says in the Gemara. When Antonino said, can you please help me with my brit milah? He says, I can't look at your brit milah. I never saw my brit milah before. I never saw my erva. How can I look at another person's erva? Anybody that's pure... Anybody that fixes himself in his eyes, anybody that fixes himself and doesn't see things as a suit to look at, is called Kadosh. Kadosh is numerical value 410. If we take the word Kadosh, add it on to 410, 411. The four letters of Kadosh, Kov, Dalet, Vav, Shin, makes 100, 415. Exactly. Which means Reuben is Re'iyah. Yosef is elevate yourself. Elevate yourself in the eyes, which means work on your eyes. Bring down the physical eyes and elevate the spiritual eyes. You know what will happen? You'll stop becoming a kadosh. Hashem will look at you and say, Oh, you worked on yourself. You tapped into that energy, into that positive energy, into that spiritual energy, into the kedusha energy. Same thing like the Hashmonaim. Same thing like the Kohanim. Because they looked at the Pacha Shemin and they were able to determine whether it was kosher or not. Same thing like Reuben. He was able to look at Yosef and say, Yosef is not Mored Bamalchut. Yosef has good intentions. The Me'a Shilawah, just to explain more about Yosef Asadiq, the Me'a Shilawah says the Shebatim thought that Yosef Asadiq is mafrid is separating the name of Hashem. We say in Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Ehad. Hashem is one. The Me'a Shiloh says, if you take the word Ehad, you separate it into Aleph, Het, Dalid. He says the Aleph is Yaakov Abinu, because he united all of B'nai Yisrael to one. The Het is the eight brothers, who? Reuben, Shimon. Levi, Yehuda, Yisachar, Zebulun, Yosef, and Binyamin. We have the four brothers of the Shefahot, which is in the letter Dalid. We have Gad and Dan, Naphtali, and then we have Gad and Asher. That's four. So you have the one Yaakov Abinu. We have the one Yaakov Abinu. We have the head, the eight, which is the eight brothers. And we have the four, which is the four brothers of the Shabbatim. What does it say all the way in the beginning by Yosef? Yosef used to befriend the children of the Shabbatim. So the rest of the Shabbatim are saying, excuse me, what are you doing? We all have to be united. Why are you slandering us? Why are you speaking Lashon about us? Eating Eber Minahai, uh, ridiculing the rest of the brothers. So what are you doing? You're separating the name of Hashem, Ehad. You're separating the Aleph. And the head and the other. We have to be united. But you yourself, by befriending the four brothers and not befriending all of us, you're making a perud between the Aleph and the head and the Dalit, and they couldn't have that. That's one explanation why they wanted to, to kill Yosef as Sadiq. The Shlah Kadosh, 
says Yosef with his pure vision, with his holy vision. And this is brought down by the Tanat de Beliahu, if a person cleans his eyes and purifies his eyes and his vision, he's able to tap into Ruwa HaKodesh and Nebu'ah. He's able to see the future. Yosef al-Sadiq said, I have to do something for the brothers to bow down to me in order for, excuse me, Mashiach bin David to come. Because we know that before Mashiach bin David comes, Mashiach bin Yosef has to come. So who is Mashiach bin Yosef right now? Who other than Yosef al-Sadiq? Who is Mashiach bin David? Who other than Yehuda? Yosef says, no problem. You can have the brothers bow down to Yehuda, but you have to bow down to me first. That's why he wanted them. That's why he saw in his vision. Everybody's bowing down to me. Because, by the way, this will happen very soon in the final redemption. Mashiach bin Yosef will come. We will all listen to him. He will pave the way for Mashiach bin David. Listen to the words of Shlach Kadosh. Yosef saw in his holy vision. He saw in his vision that he has to pave the way for David. If he does not come up with a plan to have the brothers come down to Mitzrayim to bow down to him, you will never have Melech Yehuda. You will never have Mashiach Ben David. That's what will happen in the near future. Mashiach Ben Yosef the brothers couldn't understand this. Why? Because the brothers' vision was not as pure as the vision. Again, who are we to talk about the brothers? We're only allowed to speak what to allocate it to us from the, from the Midrashim and from the holy rabbis. But the brothers couldn't see this pure vision like Yosef had. They thought, no, he wants to rule over us, only him. Forget about Mashiach ben David. Because Reuben cleaned his vision, purified his vision. He was able to understand this. Now listen how it ties into Hanukkah. You know, Hashmonaim, the ones who made the war. They were in the, second, in the time of the second Beit HaMikdash. They were very pure people. And if not for them, if not for them, we won't have any Torah in Am Yisrael. We won't have any more Abu Dhabi Mikdash. Even though they were pure people, but Hashem wiped them all out. Today we have nobody from Hashem left. Why? Because what did we ask earlier? It's not the way of a Kohen to make Melchama. Uh, a Yisrael has to go out to Melchama. A Kohen has to be in the Beit HaMikdash. The Shlach Kodesh says, and I have a question for you. If they knew that it's a suit for them to go wage war against the Greeks, because Yisraelim have to do this. So how do you go? How do you go out to war? The Hashmonaim thought exactly like Yosef. Let us as Kohanim pave the way for Mashiach ben David. Let's be like the Mashiach ben Yosef, pave the way for Mashiach ben David. And he says, And Hashem agreed with them. How do we know? Does Hashem make a miracle of something tameh? Of course not. So they were tahor. So the question is, so why did Hashem wipe them out? Very nice and well. You paved the way for Mashiach ben David. Give it to Mashiach ben David. Give it up already. They were Hashemunayim for a few hundred years. If your whole matara, if your whole goal and your project and mission was to pave the way, fine, you waged the war, you reestablished the whole Abu Dhabi Mikdash, give it up already. Give it back 
to Malchut Bet David. Give it back to the Israelim. Give it back to the people that have to be Melech. No. We want to be Melech. No, 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 no. And that's why, by the way, if you look at the Mishnayot, there's no mention of Hanukkah at all in the Mishnah. Anybody know why? Who wrote the Mishnah? The Biudah Nasi. Comes from the lineage of David the Melech. He says, how can I talk about the Hashmonaim in the Mishnah if the Hashmonaim tried to take over my Malchut? I come from David. We're supposed to be kings. They wanted to be kings. No mention of them in the Mishnah. The only mention of them is in the Gemara, in the Midrashim. Now we can understand, Rabotai, and we'll end off with this. Now we can understand the Rashi all the way in the beginning of the parasha. Yaakov Abinu, after his whole headache with Dina, with Isav, with Laban, he sits down, he wants to live in peace. Hashem says, no, 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 there's no tranquility, no living in peace. He brings in the problem of Yosef. And all the rabbis ask, what do you want from him already? Hasn't he suffered enough? You give him another suffering? You give him another David? Another Yosef? No. The answer is, it wasn't a form of suffering. Hashem is telling him, you want to live in tranquility in the times of Mashiach ben David? Fine, but I have to bring you Mashiach ben Yosef first. I have to make a whole story for the brothers to bow down to Mashiach ben Yosef first before I bring Mashiach ben David. It wasn't a form of punishment of Yaakov Abinu. It was paving the way for Mashiach ben David, Rabotai. This is the whole story of Hanukkah, the whole story of Reuben and Yosef. Clean your eyes and try to see the good in people. Not only Hasbi Shalom, not looking at things like we said you're not supposed to look at, but look at people with a positive light. Looking at a person and right away, don't say that he's a bad person. Say he's a good, innocent until proven guilty. Right? We should have a, we should, by us, it's not innocent until proven guilty. It's always innocent. Always. In our eyes, it should always be a person is innocent, a person is good. If he's a Yehudi, the person is good. The Rabbi Pinhas of Korich says, in Erot Shabbat, you're able to see, if you have, if you purify your eyes, you're able to see what will happen, you have nebu'ah of what will happen to you during the week. In Erot Hanukkah, you're able to see what will happen to you for the whole year. Which means, if you purify your eyes, and the halakha says, don't just light the Erot Hanukkah and go eat dinner, or go out with your wife. Light the Erot Hanukkah and sit by them at least half an hour. Say Yosheb B'Sitr Aliyon seven times. Mizmor Shei Hanukkah Tabayta David. Bring the family. Let them sit next to it. Purify your eyes. Teach your children, your family to look at the good in every single Yehudi. Look at the good inside of you. You're a good person. Maybe during the year, okay, not. But now we're working on it. We're being like Reuben and Yosef. We're being like the Hashmonaim. And Hanukkah is a very auspicious time. Very important time. I know it's eight days. And Hashem gave it to us dafla for eight days. There's a lot of cleansing to do. There's a lot of purifying to do. Every single day we look at the North Hanukkah and we see what needs, to be, what's to need, what needs to be done. If you allow me, just to tell you what the Hidushi Harim says. The Hidushi Harim says, Right after you light the North Hanukkah, sit by them half an hour and then go to class. Go to a shi'ur or learn Torah in your house. He says, why? Kiner mitzvah betorah or. Ner, it's talking about Nerot Hanukkah. Ner mitzvah. It's a mitzvah to light it. Betorah or. Right after you light it, go learn Torah. Ubevadai, and for sure, Shah mitzvah meira al ora Torah. What does Hashem want you to do? Now you tap into the light. What greater light, Rabotai, do we have in our life other than Torah? He brings from the Magid of Kojnitz. Sha'al the Ishihad. He. Magid of Kojnitz asked the person, You know, every single day, three times, we say, Please give me some wisdom. So Hashem says, fine, I gave you wisdom. Now go use the wisdom. But what are we using the wisdom for? We have to use the wisdom to go learn Torah. Otherwise, what good is the wisdom we're asking from Hashem three times a day? So same thing over here. You tapped in the North Hanukkah. You tapped into this awesome light. What greater light do we have in our life than Torah? Torah or. So now go learn Torah. So which means don't spend your, don't spend your Hanukkah days on just having parties. 
By the way, there's a Saudot Reshut. Don't, don't just uh, spend your days on, on, on parties. No. It's nice. Hanukkah Gaut and, and playing with the children, Sebibon and Jadal is beautiful. But don't forget the essence. Don't forget the, the, the main point of Hanukkah. Don't forget what the Hashmonaim gave up their life for. They gave up their life. They sacrificed their life for the Abu Dhabi Mikdash, for the Abu which means serving Hashem. And the only way to serve Hashem nowadays, if there's no Beit HaMikdash, is either through prayer or through learning Torah. So Hashem should help all of us, all of us, to see into the spiritual light, decrease the physical, and elevate the spiritual. I thank you everyone for coming every Wednesday night. Avenue S, Corner of East Night, Tahara Lebanon, 8 p.m. Thank you to Torah Anytime viewers and listeners. Viewers and listeners, and if you please like, if you like this class, please mention it to two people, at least two people. Next week we'll have double the amount. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.